I want to talk to you from Mark chapter 4, and we're going to look at the closing of this chapter tonight, and we're going to talk about how that Christ carried the disciples through a storm, and all of us go through storms. You go through storms. I go through storms from time to time. <clears throat> Sunday, I had preached a message on love, and it was amazing how many of our young people, even that I've gotten emails from, and that's something when a young person will take time to email because most of the time they text, about what that message meant to them. And so I've been asking each of them, what have you learned? What did you learn from that message? And getting the responses that I did. But just recently, I also got a call from another man, and he says, I listen, this, this man lives out of state. He listens to our, our website, and he told me, he said, that is a message I'm really having to process. And so I pray that you and I will share these messages. We'll have to, that we'll take time to share them with people that know them and not just take it in, but we'll feel like those lepers who, when they found the treasures that was left behind, they said, why would we just consume this? Let's share this with others. And I think this message is one of those as well because I know so many people that are going through a storm that need to hear what this passage of Scripture that Jesus walked through or sailed through with his disciples, what they experience that you and I experience. Ira Sankey, that name may not mean anything to anybody in here. Does, it, does anybody know who Ira Sankey was? One person. And if you know online, you can text me as well. Ira Sankey led the music for D.L. Moody. And when... Moody first heard him sing. He went to him, asked him if he would join his team, his evangelistic team. And they experienced such great success in Wales and in Great Britain and Scotland and other parts of the nation as they ministered. And then they came back to the United States and God continued that same outpouring of the Holy Spirit. What you may not know is our Sankey was a Union soldier during the war between the states. And one night... When Sankey was standing guard, he was singing a song. He was singing a hymn to the Lord. And while he sang that hymn to the Lord, he didn't know it, but there was a Confederate sharpshooter on the other side that saw him. And he already had him in his sights and was going to kill him. But he said, as he sang that song, he said, that was a song my mother always sang. And he said, the whole time that you sang it, I kept my bead upon you. And he said, but finally, he said, it was like the Lord made my arm powerless and I dropped my gun and I didn't pull the trigger. Sankey went on then, as I said, to work with D.L. Moody and these two men met and he shared the story because it was Christmas time and they were on a ship together coming back to the United States and Iris Sankey was asked to sing. The captain knew he was on board, he was asking him to sing and he was going to sing a Christmas carol but instead, he sang that same song he sang the night that Confederate sharpshooter had him in sight. In a war that tore this nation apart, in a war that cost us more casualties than any other war we've ever fought, when brother fought brother in that war, there's another story of how God worked in the midst of that storm. My office in Macon, Georgia, where I served in the district office for 12 years, was next to Mercer University, where my son graduated. And Mercer houses one of the largest collections of letters from Civil War soldiers in the United States. And there were sometimes during my break, and 
the lady Anne, I knew she had, I had pastored her. She would let me come in and I would read those letters and it was often so such a blessing. I wanted I almost said another word, but it was such a blessing and convicting to see the sovereign hand of God at work when men defiantly violated the will of God and turned against one another in this nation. We all go through storms. Sometimes a nation goes through a storm. I feel like our nation is going through a storm right now, both culturally, morally, spiritually, politically, economically. It seems like everywhere you turn. And then when we saw this week the students that were gunned down at Michigan State University, and one of those students survived the Oxford High School shooting. And another one of those students was just from right up the road at Gross Point. And I just, I told my wife, I said, it's like our nation is just under such attack. And the more I thought about this in preparing for this message, I realized how much the church is under attack and entire denominations that at one time were very biblical and very theological have sold out to the culturally correct political forces in our world rather than remain faithful to Jesus. This little short passage has a lot to do with that tonight. So if you would, I want you to look with me at the book of Mark, chapter 4 tonight. And it's in your outline, and you can follow me on the app if you want to as well. We have all of this, the Bible verses, and things that maybe you wouldn't get if you didn't follow along on the app. So I hope that you'll use our app. But let's read from the Word of God. As evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, now let's stop, let's remember evening came. He has battled spiritual forces. He set a man free of demonic spirits. He's had his family come against him and want to bring him home because they thought he was out of his mind. He's had the priest accuse him of being demon-possessed. I mean, Jesus has had a long day ministering to the masses and to the crowd. He's exhausted. He can't even come back on the shore because there's so many people there. They would have mobbed him if he came back on the shore. So always read your Bible, not just quickly through the sentences, but read and take in the whole story that you're being told. So as evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they took Jesus in the boat and started out, leaving the crowds behind, although other boats followed. Now, you need to know something. The Sea of Galilee is 620 feet below sea level. It's surrounded by mountains. The mountains are cut by gorges. And because it's so far beneath sea level, thermals will rise up off of the lake. And as it does, it brings the cold air down from the mountain. And those gorges act like funnels. And that's the reason that you see in the Bible often talking about suddenly a storm came upon the Sea of Galilee. It really was a sudden storm. It could be a calm, clear day, and then you're faced with 25-foot waves on a sea that, I, if I remember correctly, is 14 miles wide, 14 miles long, 8 miles wide, and 150 feet deep. So a lot of people would perish in these storms on the Sea of Galilee. Becky and I and the family went to Picture Rocks National Park up at the top of Michigan, and we were looking forward to going out, but the whole week we were there, there were such high winds, we couldn't go out because there were 10-foot waves. Imagine 25-foot waves on the Sea of Galilee, and you're in these little bitty boats that you've seen pictures of before. So you've got this picture in mind. Let's cross the other side. They took Jesus in the boat, started out, leaving the crowds behind, and only Mark gives you this. Although other boats followed. 
Only Mark will tell you that. Matthew and Luke won't tell you that. Other boats followed. So you've got this little flotilla of boats following Jesus across the lake. But soon a fierce storm came up, and high waves were breaking into the boat, and it began to fill with water. And Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. The disciples woke him shouting, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? And when Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Silence, be still. And suddenly the wind stopped, and there was a great calm. And then he asked them, why are you afraid? And you'll notice I put in brackets there the word cowardly because the word Jesus uses for fear there is the word that's used to describe a coward. Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? And the disciples were absolutely terrified. Now this time he uses another word. Instead of phobos, which is fear, he uses phobion, which means awe and reverence. So they go from cowardly fear to now this absolute awe and reverence. Who is this man, they ask each other. Even the wind and the waves obey him. Would you join me in prayer tonight? Heavenly Father, I love you so much. And God, I feel like my heart is about to burst. There is so much I want to share here tonight. So I pray that you'll help me to be concise, but I pray that you'll help me to cover all the material because, Lord, it's just so important for the time that we're living in. I pray that you'll not only give me the anointing to preach and teach tonight, but give to those who are online and those who are watching the anointing to hear and to apply this to their lives as well. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I got a question for you. What kind of promises has God made to you through the years? What kind of promises has you claimed? You've, you've been reading your Bible and you've seen a promise and you've highlighted. If you look in my Bible, I highlight promises in purple and I put a little crown beside them because that's God's word to me. And that's a promise that God has given me. And when you think about your life, what are some of those promises that you've laid into and you've claimed? So the first thing I'd say to you what did God say to you when everything was calm in life, when everything was sunny? Benjamin said to me today, he says, Dad, if all of Michigan winters had been like this week, I'd say let's live in Michigan forever. <laughs> I mean, hasn't this been an incredible week of nice warm weather, sunny skies, and just a beautiful day? This has been what winter is in the South, you know? Maybe not as windy as it was today, but a beautiful winter. As evening came in Mark 4.35, as evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. I mean, that was the word on a successful day. Demonic spirits had been cast out. People had been healed. The gospel had been preached. I mean, it had been a great day. for The crowds were massive. As I told you last week, it was probably the biggest crowds that Jesus had spoke to, or the week before last, the biggest crowds Jesus had spoke to. And Jesus says, now let's go to the other side of the lake. Jesus' ministry was always purposeful. He's going to go and be ministering to the Gentiles on the other side of the lake. So there was purpose in what they were doing. He's tired, but there's purposeful. Jesus promises on days when it's clear that the poor in spirit, theirs is the kingdom of God. That those who are mourned, that they are going to be comforted. Jesus promises that the merciful, that they're going to win in life. Jesus promises that the pure, 
that those who are pure in heart, they're going to enjoy success and God's going to bless them. Jesus promises that peacemakers will take the cross and they will build bridges to lost people with it rather than trying to fight our enemies. But Jesus also promises that there will be persecution. But if we will keep eye, eye on him while we walk through the storms, while we walk through hell on earth, that if we can stand the pulling, God will pull us through. If we can stand the pulling, God will pull us through. That's kind of my adaptation of something that Max Lucado wrote in The Applause of Heaven. It's a powerful thought. The second thing I'd say is, whenever God gives you a promise, and I found this, Becky and I found this to be true in our lives, whenever God gives you a promise, usually storms are going to follow. Storms usually follow promises. And so Jesus says to them, let's go to the other side. He's had this wonderful teaching ministry that has included promises. Mark 4.37, soon a fierce storm came up and high waves were breaking into the boat and it began to fill with the water. Uh, just a question. I want you to remember a time, and if you've not been there, you will be there. How many of you can remember a time where you felt helpless? How many can remember a time where you felt powerless? How many of you can remember a time when you felt hopeless? I had a man call me today who's battling cancer, feeling hopeless, feeling powerless. And as we prayed together and talked together, and I referenced him to this, these scriptures that I'm preaching to you tonight, one of the things that you need to remember when God sends a storm into your, when God allows a storm into your life, and I want to be sure I correct how I said that, when God allows a storm into your life, the storm is meant to make you stronger, not weaker. The storm is meant to help you grow in Christ. And so what I have learned and what Becky and I have learned together in our marriage is whenever we face a storm is, God, help us to make the most of this storm. Do you remember when we went through the, the epistles of Peter? Peter said, make, you need to treat trials, you need to treat tribulations like they're, they're your friends because this is what they're going to do for you. And he goes through this list of character traits that storms and trials will begin to develop in our lives. So we ask God to help us make the most of our storm. We're doing what Ruth Graham Bell prayed. Look at this. Dear God, let me soar in the face of the wind, up, up like the lark, so poised and so sure. Through cold or the storm, with wings to endure, let the silver rain wash all the dust from my wings. Let me soar as he soars. Let me sing as he sings. Let it lift me. Let it buffet and drive me. But God, let it lift. And I think it's such a powerful way of looking at storms that God didn't let that storm come into you. Look at me. Didn't let that storm come into your life to destroy you, but he let that storm come into your life to make you stronger so that you could lean into it and that you could rise on those thermals. You could rise with the help of the Lord. I think the next thing we need to see in the storm is we need to see the splendor of the incarnation in the storm. I mean, Jesus, and, and I wish that I had a way of just physically illustrating this to you. Jesus is physically exhausted. I mean, he is God. He's fully God, but he's fully human. You're in a storm. You're riding up and down 25-foot waves. I got caught on Lake Niawapi in the high up in the Andes of Argentina in Bariloche. Me and two other guys, Mark Triplett and, and a guy named Alejandro, we got caught. We had been trout fishing in this lake and catching lake trout about this big. 
And the lake was so deep, it's a glacier lake. We put diving planes on the lines, and Alejandro would drive the boat to get the, the, the hooks down deep enough where the trout were. But suddenly, off those Andes Mountains were the same kind of gorges, and where we were at, we had this fierce storm come up, and we're riding up and down waves, and the spray is filling the boat. It's cold. It's, we're bailing. Alejandro told Mark we had to keep bailing, and we finally made it to the, to the dock, where, the marina, where we were able to get out. I've never been so relieved. I never had such wobbly knees as I had in my life. And when I read this, I remember that storm in Argentina. I could not have slept. Mark and I were both praying, but we were laughing while we were praying. Call us idiots, but we were laughing while we were praying because we were assuring one another, God's got this. Alejandro, by the way, became a Christian as a result of that. He saw this joy that was masked as fear, or fear that was masked as joy as we were praying, and Alejandro became a part of the church, and it was a wonderful thing. But here's the deal. Jesus is sound asleep. He's that tired. The cold spray of the water is not waking him up. He's not on a pillow. He's probably on a bag of sand that's used as ballast. He's laying on the hard wood of the boat. I've been on those little boats. He's laying on that boat, and he's sound asleep in the storm. What you're seeing is that God was fully human. God experienced fatigue the way you experience fatigue. God experienced the need for rest and sleep the way you need rest and sleep. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion, like I said, probably a bag of sand. And the disciples woke him up shouting, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? Have you ever, have you ever accused God of not caring about you? Have you ever thought it and you were just too afraid to say it, God, you don't care? Mm-hmm. I mean... We're often very pious when we're singing our songs. We're often very pious when we're giving our sermons and our speeches. But sometimes we're going like David, oh God, you have forsaken me. Oh God, how long? I love the Psalms because David is so gut level honest. Reading the Psalms has helped me to be more honest in my prayers because when I, sometimes I feel like God's forgotten me or abandoned me. I tell him that. And so they, they say to them, teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? Now notice that. Circle that word, we're. They're not concerned with saving the Messiah here. They're concerned with saving their own skin. We're going to drown. I mean, this is what most of us expect of God. We expect God to take care of us. We expect God to do for us rather than us give our lives in service for God. And so they cry out, teacher, don't you care? So we need to learn the lesson from the rebuke that Jesus gave them. When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, silence, be still. And suddenly the wind stopped and there was a great calm. I want you to notice three things there. The storm was out of control. The disciples' fear were out of control. But Jesus remained in control. The storm was out of control. The disciples' fears were out of control. But Jesus was in control. That's just one sentence that I put in there in case you're looking for three fill-ins. I see some of you looking like, where's those fill-ins at? When you've got three pages of notes for an outline, sometimes you just need to condense so you don't 
scare the saints when they come in to hear the message. And sometimes life does get out of control. Sometimes your fear gets out of control. Sometimes your anger gets out of control. And anger is typically a mask for fear. Hurt. When somebody tells me, Pastor, I, I, I'm really hurt, what they're really saying is, Pastor, I'm really angry. <laughs> Sometimes our anger gets out of fear. And so what we need to understand is that Jesus is always in control. If spending is out of control, Jesus is in control. If the moral culture is out of control, Jesus is in control. If politics seem weird right now, and they do, Jesus is in control. And that's what we have to stay focused upon. But the second thing is, Jesus listens to you and I. I mean, I think, now, I have no way of proving this, but I think if they'd have just kept rowing, one of two things would have happened. Either Jesus would have eventually woke up and stilled the storm, or they would have rowed through the storm and got on the other side of the lake and say, wow, can you believe we made it through that? And we've all had those same experiences. We've made it through and go, wow, can you believe the unseen, invisible hand of God is work? You may not realize it tonight. You may have come in here. You may be watching online with so many problems. But what you need to remember is the invisible hand of God has got you tonight. Whether it's cancer, whether it's marriage problems, whether it's family problems, whether it's vocational, the invisible hand of God has got you. But Jesus still listens to you. And so my, my deep plea is don't lose your confidence in Jesus. Because in a storm, oftentimes people lose confidence in God. And so if I were to ask you tonight, where is Jesus in the problem you're facing? Where is Jesus in the challenge that you're facing? Where is Jesus in the fear that you're facing? So many times people will come to me and say, yeah, but he's not answering prayer the way I want him to answer prayer. Well, he's God and you're not. Duh. His way is better than my way or your way. Look at Colossians 1, 16 through 17. For through him, Jesus... God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made things we can see, and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities, and the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. God's holding your life together. God's holding our church together. God's holding this community together. God's holding this nation together. Sometimes I listen to the news, and I can't decide whether they believe China's in control or the United States is in control or whether the Democrats are in control or the politicians are in control. Frankly, friends, it appears to be all out of control, but God is in control. And I want to remind people sometimes, especially the people of God, remember when Egypt was going through all of those severe trials, the children of Israel were in the land of Goshen, and God was protecting them from the plagues that came upon Egypt. God's got you. Jesus is the creator. He's the sustainer. And he is the goal. But most importantly, he's the savior of my soul. So when you say savior... When you say Jesus is my Savior, 
you're saying to him, he's my creator, he's my sustainer, he's my goal. When you say Savior, you're saying more than you ever imagined. This week, a man said to me, Pastor, I want to be saved. Wow, did that resonate inside my spirit. He's going through some, an earthquake-sized storm. And by the way, the word for the waves were hitting the boat, the way that, the, the, that Mark described them, the word was seismos. It meant earthquake. And by the way, unlike dunamis, which nobody knew what dynamite was in that day, it did mean power, but nobody knew what dynamite was, but everybody knew what an earthquake was. It was like they were being hammered by earthquake-sized waves. It's like the very shore of the lake was was, was, was being shook by not only the winds, but by the ground itself shaking. It was seismos <coughs> that was happening to them. And maybe you've been through or you're going through a seismic-sized storm, but God's got you. God's got me. The next thing you need to do is learn the lesson of the question. <coughs> this week, we were watching The Chosen as a family. And I just love the way that they show Jesus doing the rabbinical teaching model by asking questions. It's how the rabbis taught. And so what you have here is Jesus drawing them out with a question. He asked them, why are you cowardly? I mean, that's a lot of things that I could be accused of. But I don't think anybody's ever accused me of being a coward. As a matter of fact, there's a lot of things that I could be accused of, but I wouldn't ever want to be accused of being a coward. Why are you so cowardly? Do you still have no faith? And what Jesus was doing, he was reaching down in their hearts to bring out the deeper questions in their life. Jesus was purposeful the storm was a part of God's plan for them. And Jesus will always bring out of your life what needs to be dealt with. And so as long as we're acting like a baby and we're pouting and we're kicking and we're screaming and we're trying to get God to do it our way instead of just yielding to him, God's not going to stop until he brings out the issues in our life that need to be dealt with. In other words, he's saying to them, they've seen him heal the sick. They've seen him cast out demons. They've seen him multiply bread. But they still don't, they, they believe he's the Messiah. I mean, we've read enough in Mark already. We know they believe in him. But they don't see him as being the God of the universe yet. And so what he's bringing them with what they're going to need to know for the storms that are going to come after he ascends into heaven, they're going to need to know he's the God of the universe. One of the most popular subject to artists in the early church, in the medieval ages, was the disciples in the storm and Jesus in the boat. It became a picture of the early church during the severe persecution that came after the day of Pentecost. What Jesus is saying, don't doubt what you heard during the calm of life and the storms of life. Don't doubt the promises. I am so glad that Becky and I have committed so many promises to our memory, 
and that we had laid claim to when it came to health and to healing. I'm grateful that God healed me, but as I told my wife in that two-week period when the doctor said there was no hope, there was nothing they could do, they'd done everything they could do, I reminded Becky, I reminded our kids, I wrote for the church things that I've never had to read to the church, thank God. Don't doubt what God has said in the sunlight during the dark. Don't doubt what God has said in the calm during the storm. If I die, God is still the healer. And I know I mention this all the time, but this was such a pivotal turning point in our pilgrimage. When that group of preachers called from Georgia with not much time left, and, and all I can remember is hearing them pray through the receiver of the phone, and they were praying for me and interceding that God would heal me. And that night, as soon as that call was over, the doctor came upstairs and says, I had an idea while I was doing surgery. Don't ever doubt what God was doing. And it happens in a storm. Through 50 years of, please hear me tonight. Look at me. Get your eyes off your nose for a second and look at me. Through 50 years of preaching, I have seen time after time where people have quit believing the promises of God that they got in the daylight when they went through the storm because they thought the storm meant that God was not in control. He is the master of the waves. He is the rider of the storms. God has got you in every single storm. Don't ever forget that. And I'm sorry for getting loud. But that's real. He's got you. And if you die or I die, that is not defeat. We die in Christ. And my race is finished, and I've won my race by not denying the faith. By no bitterness leaving my mouth to my kids or to my wife or to the church or to my neighbors, but the faithfulness of God's people. You see, Jesus had said, let's cross to the other side of the lake. There's a lot said in that sentence. Jesus had no intention of going down in the storm. He wanted to go to the other side of the lake. And that's what he's reminding the disciples that they should remember. You need to remember his promises for your marriage, for your vocation, for your health, for your family, for your community, for your church, for life. Because the faith that conquers and casts out fear believes in the power and the love of Jesus Christ. The faith that conquers not only believes in the love of Christ, believes in the power of Christ. If we think the love of Christ is something warm and mushy, we've missed what the God of the universe is. It's been a long time since I preached on this subject, but I'll remind you of this. God's love and God's power flow out of God's holiness. And it's because God is absolutely separate from everything in this world that he created. His love and his power for you and I flows from that holiness. Nothing can overcome the holiness of God. And you are a holy people made in the image of Jesus. So in verse 41, the scripture says, they were in absolute awe. I use the message tonight because the message captures this. The New Revised Standard Version captures this. They were in absolute awe, staggered. Who is this anyway, they ask. 
wind and sea at his beck and call. Let's look at our growth work quickly tonight. Hudson Taylor was the founder of the China Inland Mission. And he was talking to a young man who was about to start work in China. And he said, look at this. And he pounded his fist on the table. Just like this. Pounded his fist on the table. And the teacups jumped and the tea spilled. And when the startled young man was going, wondered what was going on, Taylor said, when you begin your work, you'll be buffeted in numerous ways. The trials will be like blows. But remember, these blows will bring out only what is in you. What is in you tonight? What's in your heart tonight? What have the storms brought out of you? What have the blows and the buffets of the waves? What has those seismic storms brought out of you? Becky and I spent a week on the ocean years ago and our upstairs room with a balcony we were just looking out over the Atlantic Ocean and there was a fierce storm that blew in. We watched the waves crashing. But the next day, the storm was gone, but the waves kept coming. And if you know the Atlantic, it's nothing like the Pacific with all the big waves that come in, but the surfers were still out there because the big waves were coming in. But there was no storm out at sea bringing more waves in. The storm had gone. Because the sea was upset, the waves were still happening. I told you three weeks ago, Jewish people were people that were agrarian. They were people of the land. Jewish people did not like the sea. Fishermen were the odd guys in the group. Because the sea meant mystery. The sea meant... You know, this was where supposedly there were evil things took place at. And Jesus was showing them, even though it was a seismic sort of event, as well as a sudden storm, that he was master of it all. Jesus will always be our guide. Jesus will always be our guide. God's word will always be our compass. And I want you to live as though Jesus was in the boat with you at all times. Look at Daniel chapter 3, verse 24 with me. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished, and he rose in haste, and he spoke, saying to his counselors, Did we not cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? They answered and said to the king, True, O king, look, he answered, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt. And the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. You didn't see Jesus when they were tossed in the fire. But the threat of the fire bought what was in Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's hearts. Even if our God doesn't deliver us from this fiery furnace, we still will not bow to your idols, O King. And that's the kind of faith that is not cowardly, that's the kind of faith that's in all of a God they cannot see. And that's the kind of faith that God delivers. Trusting God in a storm is sound advice. And I know right now people seem to think that's not very sound advice. I have people tell me, well, I've been to a counselor and they told me to just say that I trust God. That's not very sound. Listen, the most sane advice I can give you is to trust God. That doesn't mean that you don't obey God. That doesn't mean you don't worship God. That doesn't mean you don't make good decisions. 
But the reason I can be confident in making decisions is because I trust God. I trust that he's with me in the storm. I trust that he's with me in the sunshine. I trust his word that will always work and will always prevail. You trust his word and will always prevail. Colossians 2, 6 through 7. And now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built upon him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. Remember that flotilla of boats I talked to you about? I took time to say only Mark brought this out. You see, when you go through the storm, other people will be saved as well. Because Jesus stilled the storm, those other people's lives were saved as well. And there's no telling how many lives are going to be saved because you're witness, Carrie, because you're a witness, Alan, because you're witness, Vic, Darlene. There's no telling how many lives are going to be saved, Sally, because of your faith and your witness. No telling, Becky, how many lives will be saved because of you. But here's the key. They took Jesus in the boat. What are you taking in tonight? What will you take in when you go home from this church service tonight? What are you taking into your life? What are you taking into your heart Sometimes it's hard to leave the crowds behind, especially if you love a crowd, if you love big success. Sometimes you have to leave and you have to follow the call of God to say, let's go to the other side. You may have more storms than calm seas. I can tell you this, I've had more storms than I've had calm seas. And I dare say there's some of you in here, you've had more storms than you've had calm seas as well. But calm seas aren't necessarily a sign of God's blessing. Sometimes a sign of God's presence is that you are in the storm. Because there's nothing more that the enemy wants to do than destroy your faith. And when a storm approaches, praise God and lean into the wind and let it carry you up. And then finally, and I think this is so important, don't criticize others when they are in a storm. I have no criticism for the disciples who said to Jesus cowardly, don't you care? I've never been in a little boat. I've never been in a storm on the Sea of Galilee. I've been in a boat. I've been in a storm on Lake Nauwapi. I've never been Ira Sankey. I've never had a Confederate sharpshooter put his sights on me. But I have had more than one person try to take my life. I can tell you this. God is a God that will protect you and keep you all the days of your life if you'll trust him. Can you say amen? amen? Amen. Father, we thank you for this message tonight. We thank you for these short few verses that teach us so much. And I pray for those this evening that are watching God that are going through storms. God, it may be cancer. It may be loss of job. It may be a marriage issue. It may be a child that's gone astray. Lord, it may be mental health tonight. It may be, Lord, they've lost a child in a senseless, foolish shooting like happened at Michigan State this week. God, I pray for them. We have no criticisms for them, Lord, but we come together, Lord, to pray with them and to grieve with them. And we pray that when we go through the storm, that we'll remember these points tonight, for it's in Jesus' name I pray. And everyone said, amen, amen, and amen. God bless you. Good night. Thanks for joining us.